Welcome back. My name is Ivan Vixamar. Most people just call me Vix. And I want to say thank you for tapping into my podcast called The Lunch Table with Vix. Now, my why behind this podcast is very simple. I wanted to create a platform that would bring people to the table, have real conversations, and impact the masses. And today, I got another fire episode for y'all. So I got my guy on the podcast with me today. Cody, say what's up to the people. What's up, what's up? Yeah, so me and Cody go, we go back a little bit, man. We we go back to the WA elementary days. Yeah, that's a lot a, of people don't know about them WA elementary days. That hit different. That's a crazy thought, dude. I still remember like we having free time in like second grade, and I don't remember what we were doing. I just remember sitting on the floor and and just hanging out with you and talking about like. SWAT cars and stuff. I don't know why that one memory <laughs> sticks with me. <laughs> that, that's very random. And that's funny because it leads into what I was going to gonna ask. What is your... It doesn't even have to be with me specifically, <laughs> but like, what's your most like iconic WA moment like from all the years, elementary, all the way to like high school? Like, my, What's that one moment that... I will proffer my most memorable memory with you is uh, we're, we're practicing we're practicing for a football game, and uh, they put you on a defensive end, I believe, and uh, we're running a sweep. So I had to pull off and come around to the other side of the line and block you. So normally I had no problems doing that, and I remember hitting you with all that I had. I mean every ounce of power that I had and I hit a wall <laughs> nothing happened <laughs> and I'll never forget that moment bro. in all fairness I was way bigger than you at that time so <laughs> for the audience members that are probably like y'all can't see what he looked like but I'm way bigger than Cody so y'all chill out if y'all thinking that my dog weak I my dog handled uh, he handled his own out there. <laughs> I just thought that was that was so funny. I've never never ever had that problem before in football. <laughs> it was just like hitting a wall, and that was a uh, a whole new note level of respect for you football wise after that moment. Yeah, man, I agree. So you know, at the lunch table, we like to just hop straight into it. We talk about anything and everything, and. uh so my guy Cody is on the journey to becoming a lawyer. Uh, the position he holds right now, go ahead and say it because I don't want to mash it up and say it wrong. Uh, I'm currently a felony and juvenile investigator at a public defender's office. Well, there you have it. He is the makeshift CSI operator in Gainesville. <laughs> He, he's in control at CSI Gainesville. But I, I did have some questions because, like, I've never really had, I guess, a friend in that field that I uh -huh. could, like, necessarily just throw out questions to. But first, uh, what kind of wanted – I want to get into what kind of made you choose that career path because that's not, like, a normal thing that, like, kids maybe grow up and be like, oh, I want to be, like, a lawyer. Like, I don't really hear too many people say that. Um, 
So when I, I first got to school, or I guess when I first got to university, I wanted to be a doctor and did all the prerequisite classes, all the weed out classes, Chem 1, Chem 2, Calc 1, Calc 2, Biology 1, Biology 2. And after just grinding my teeth against the pavement from those classes, I, it dawned on me that I don't don't really want to be a doctor <laughs> uh, and spend the next seven, eight, ten years of my life doing school, med school, residency, and then finally, when I'm in my late 30s, early 40s, I'm like a full-fledged doctor. Uh, so I did some exploring and a lot of self-reflection and what I'm good at and what I enjoy, at least in a professional sense. And I really like writing and I really like reading. And when I say I like arguing, it's not like, oh, you're position is wrong and my position is right it's it's more about doing the research to support your opinion and figuring out what their argument's going to be and then sure up your argument against what their potential attacks could be and that's that's the argument i i like it's more of an academic and less of a, an emotionally charged argument uh and then i did an internship with the PD's office and the state attorney's office in Gainesville and fell in love with law and the lawyers and what they do and the work. And from that point forward, it was, uh, I changed my major from a STEM major to poli-sci and then uh, also threw in Mandarin Chinese in there, super random. But uh, yeah, changed to poli-sci and Mandarin Chinese from chemistry and haven't looked back since. Yeah, I can go on the record and say that you matured a lot because Cody I knew in high school literally just like to argue I don't know if it was just like you were speaking facts or it was just the fact that you were so passionate about what you're talking about that you would just intimidate people where people would just literally back down on the pier like yo it's not that serious like I, I thought ketchup <laughs> was better than mustard I, I'm sorry I'm sorry that you you got you're so passionate about mustard like it would literally be something that simple that like you would just literally be so passionate about it that the person would just fold. They'll just be like, nah, like I'm good. I don't want <laughs> no, no part of it. What do you feel like is the biggest problem? I guess like that one, obviously there's a ton of problems, but like, what do you think is that like big problem in the justice system that like you think if they can knock this out or eradicate or whatever the word you want to use to this one thing, it would shine a brighter light and be able to do more for just all people in America as far as uh, social or not. I don't want to say social justice, but just just the justice system in America. You know, that that's a tough question to answer, but. And, and it depends, you know, for juveniles, I, I think it's a different thing. And then for you know, adults 18 and up, it's different. But for, you know, the, the majority. So yeah. you you work with juvenile. So give it to me from a young perspective, because I honestly believe it starts from the younger generation. It's like if you can correct and adjust certain behavior at a younger age, it's more likely to translate to them as an adult. Because once someone's an adult, it's very hard to change 
their mindset, their ways, their habits. I agree. We're habitual people. So the longer you allow somebody to act a certain way, the more likely they are to stay stuck in those ways. But if you can reach the kids early, so I guess I'll switch the question in the juvenile system. What do you think is one thing that could really, really help just the justice system at that level, at the juvie level? So at the juvenile level, at least in Alachua County, um, the juveniles are given ample opportunity to correct their mistake and it not affect them later in life, which I agree with. Um, they're usually given two to three chances to get everything figured out and have it all go away. But I think the issue is they need to provide more support structure because most of these kids that are reoffending and most of the kids that do come across my desk are reoffending. We rarely get a new kid. So the biggest issue is these kids aren't getting support in their family life. They are in poverty, which means that their single parent is usually at work because at the end of the day, him or her have to make the ends meet. You know, as a parent, that is your duty. So these kids are, are left to their own devices, whether it's, you know, not paying attention at school or getting in with the wrong crowd afterwards. The the biggest issue for me is I, I just don't think we have enough support structure telling these kids that like, you know, you could make something of your life. You you could be whatever you want to be. It, you really could. And I believe that. But we we just we don't have enough people telling them that and not only telling them that, but helping guide them through the confusing state that is childhood. And being a mentor to them and I, I think if we could put more emphasis on good teachers good after school programs good mentorship programs i i think that would really help with juveniles reoffending and not making it a, a habitual thing yeah and and i just think as a country like you said if we would put more money into preventive stuff like preventive measures so investing into after school programs like investing into the school system instead of investing into the criminal justice system once they're in like I don't know too much about the history of the jail system in America but I from what I understood when it first started a lot of the stuff was like state ran and now a lot of the prisons are pretty much like they're owned by like people like they're owned by businesses are they're like kind of like ran like corporations from my understanding they're not really ran by the state or the county like they're run by just freelance like business people am i correct on that or yeah there's there's definitely a good amount of private prisons and there's also a good amount of state prisons and it just comes down to the fact that they're it's easier to give someone a contract and have them deal with it, then as a state, you know, you have your Department of Corrections, and then you got to deal with, with all of that, then you get your Department of Probation, and, and dealing with, with all, all that that encompasses it, so it's just easier for them, <clears throat> unfortunately, in 
you know, the money-driven society that we inhabit to pass it off on the contract to a private prison and have them deal with it. And then the state only worries about them when they have a trial or when they get out. Yeah, because if I'm a business person and I'm a wealthy, very, very wealthy, influential business person, and I have ties in the private sector of prisons, why would I try to change laws and move things around to make people less likely to go to jail? Like, I know weed was, like, a huge thing where, like, people were going to jail for, like, having, like, small amount of weed and just, like, stuff like that where like other people who committed like i guess quote-unquote more hasty crimes were kind of getting slaps on the wrist and if i was a business person i'm like yo i want to fill up my jail because this is what i'm getting contracted to do so why would i try to change laws that are going to put people into my business or my line of work so I don't know if my theory is correct on that. Like, is that kind of like the outlook that someone that is a wealthy person that has ties in the private prison sector would like, I'm assuming that's their mindset I, because why would they not want people to fill their jail? Absolutely. And I mean, that that's one of the biggest issues with the private sector is that their, their main thrust is to get more people in the jail because then that gets them more money from the state in contracts. So why, why would they want legislation that takes away mandatory minimum sentences and, you know, puts you in jail for having a little bit of weed on you, uh, or, you know, heroin or just, just, you know, most of the, the cases are drug related cases. And I think that's a, you know, moving from juvenile to adult, I think that is a, a huge issue is I, you know, and this might be a little out there for most people, but I, I think all drugs should be decriminalized and being addicted to a drug is a mental health crisis and an issue, not a put them in jail issue. That that doesn't solve anything. But I do think that it is a mental issue. And I think by p- throwing people into jail, it doesn't help the mental issue. If anything, it makes it worse because they're not. That's not. They're not solving the root issue. No, they're not. They're just. You know what I'm saying? Like, out. They're just taken away from the drug when they have withdrawals and whatnot. And and there's no. Again, you know, as with the juveniles in parallel, there's there's no there's no support. I I mean, if you look at a lot of the the Scandinavian countries. Uh, at least I, I think it's Norway or Sweden, one of those two that does needle exchanges. So if you're addicted to heroin, you go in there, they give you a clean needle, they, they give you a little bit of heroin, and you go into a room that's all glass, and, you know, the doctors watch you. And, you know, you're more than welcome to start a treatment program with these medically trained doctors. Um, or you can just go in there and get your get your fix and get out. But you have clean needles, so you're, you're not getting hepatitis. You're not getting HIV. There's a doctor there. God forbid you nod off and you need some Narcan to, to bring you back to life. And it has shown that there is an increase in 
dealing with the opioid epidemic if these are open because the, talk to any addict and they don't they don't want to be an addict that they, they, they don't want to at, at this point it's a, a physical compulsion that they have to take to do it to be well and not go into withdrawals and when they're around a place where it destigmatizes using a drug and instead is focused on helping them to be healthier people and move on from this, they're more likely to to get away from that. You know, they don't want to be addicts. So yeah, just my thoughts on that. Yeah. I think I think you made some good points. Um again, I think it's just getting to the root of the issue and not always just Oh, you do something, throw them in jail. Absolutely. Like, jail isn't a treat. And especially, I mean, back in the day, I feel like jail was more treatment. Like you would go to jail and you would learn a trade, mm -hmm. learn skills. Mm -hmm. Like there were, you could get your GED. And like, I'm not well versed in the prison correctional system in America. So I can't like speak on it too heavy, but I just feel like we've gone away from that. Because I don't hear about people going to jail, coming out with like learning a trade and learning how to do. And like back in the day, I knew that was a big thing. Like you would go in yeah. and you were able to take classes and there were just a lot of stuff to kind of get you ready to come out yeah. so that you were able to be in a better position. But nowadays I feel like they send you out with the hopes that like, oh, you're going to be back. Like you even see it in movies all the time. When they let the person out, the jail person, the correctional officer is like, "Yeah, I'll see you back here." Yeah, it's because it's like they already know, like you're gonna, you're set up for failure, mm -hmm. whether it's probation, and like whatever, like you're you did, you're not coming out with like a leg up on whatever you did wrong. A absolutely, like you're literally getting thrown back into society and be like, "Well, you mess up again." You're coming back in here. Yeah, and, and, and that's really all. And it, they're all they're it thrown is. out there with with no skill. No one's helping them find a job. No one's no one is giving them a reason to change things up. Now there will people that argue, oh, you should give yourself that reason. But you got to remember, when you're coming out as a felon, it's harder to find a place to live. It's incredibly hard to find a job that can pay for you to live semi-comfortably and you always have that that stigma that that follows you around and i i think to get back to your original question which is what i think would be the biggest help to kind of reform the justice system is the justice system needs to go away from being punitive and exacting punishment for the wrongs people have done in society's eyes and instead it needs to pivot and focus on rehabilitation and building a healthy lifestyle and getting these guys and girls jobs and just a, a support structure that you know they have something to live for and they don't have to fall back to their old ways to make money or make ends meet because they have something tangible and real that they that they can work towards like we like to do at the lunch table we gonna flip everything on his head and we gonna go to a completely different topic because why not so if y'all didn't know my dog cody uh went to university of florida um 
and he grew up a Miami Hurricane fan. And now me and Cody, back in the day, back in our heyday, we used to go to Hurricane games together. His dad had season tickets, and he would every year at least invite me to one, sometimes even two games, and we'd literally sit like on the field eating all we wanted as far as like hot dogs, popcorn, hamburgers. Like I used to go ham. And so huge hurricane fans, like with, like I said, always arguing. So he would literally go to school. And at the time the hurricanes were garbage. So he used to just argue to death, like why Miami was better than Florida. And I used to be right there behind them. Like, yeah, Florida and Tim Tebow and blah, blah, blah. Like I was right there with him. Then all of a sudden, you know, we going off to college. This man talking about, hey, I'm going to go to Florida. What you mean? I'm going to go to Florida. What you mean you going to go to Florida? (laughs) Bro, you've been for 12 years telling me how Florida was trash. And now you talking about you going to Florida. This man taking pictures in a gator polo. What? 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 What is going on? Hold up. Wait a minute. Explain yourself. All right. You are on trial. This is this is court, and I am the judge, jury, executioner. I'm everything. Right. And I need to know your defense. So my defense is, I didn't go to Miami because they didn't give me enough scholarship money, and I did not have the money to pay for a private school tuition. So UF was the next best option. Uh, so went to UF. They didn't have to pay a dime, which was which was nice. And then I fucked up sophomore year and uh had to pay the rest of sophomore year junior year and senior year so uh it was it was nice while it lasted but uh went to uf but at the end of the day when it's all said and done uh, I, I love uf i have a lot of incredible life-changing memories here but i have more of an emotional connection to miami and maybe it's the nostalgia or just the I mean, it, it it was a big part of growing up. You know, every Saturday was in the fall was going to Miami Hurricane game or watching it on TV. And uh, I will always, always, always be a Miami Hurricane fan. And I don't think that precludes me from also being a Florida Gator fan with my alma mater. But I know the question you're going to ask me. <laughs> what happens when they play? So the way I look at it is... Uh, I root for whichever team has the better chance to make a national championship run that year. If Miami has the better chance to make a national championship run, then I'm going to root for Miami if they play the Gators. If Florida has a better chance to make a national championship run, then I'm going I'm to I'm root for the Gators that year. But my love for them is equal, and I'm probably the only person in the world that can say that. All right. I got to go into – I'm going to use some words I've heard on TV shows. Okay. I'm going to go into arbitration right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm going to be real with you, bro. It was a it was a nice sob story. Like, oh, the Miami in my heart it was just too expensive. And poor. Look, that was nice. That sob story was nice. It didn't sway the jury. It didn't. <laughs> we still on your throat. Lock them up. <laughs> bury him under the jail i don't want to hear nothing else man just just i just want you to hear this one thing 
You should be ashamed of yourself. All right, so once again, if you do know the lunch table, our transition game is terrible. So we're going to flip it once again <laughs> to a completely different subject. Um, for a lot of y'all that don't know, um, me and Cody went to Westminster Academy, which was a Christian school. And uh, to be honest, I wasn't really big in my faith when I went to WA. Uh, honest, I could really care less about it. I just went to church because my mom kind of made me go to church and stuff like that. But uh, I think Cody's story, which I've never heard the full thing before, so this would be new for me too, uh, is interesting. And recently I hit up Cody just out the blue, just, hey, what's up? Da, 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 da. We start talking. And I think he might have asked me, like, yo, how's life and how's this and that? And I'm like, yeah, man, you know, God's been really good. I'm blessed. And he said something that was very interesting to me. He was like, oh, okay, that's, like, really good. I'm glad to hear it. He's like, actually, I don't believe in God anymore. And I was like, oh, like every, you know, like every Christian is like, oh, he said what? <laughs> but then, like, you know, being being me and me, like, knowing Cody, I was just like, I'm very interested in, like, what changed the perspective. And not even coming from a place of, like, judgment or, like, a place of, like, you said what? you're not a what you want to w and now i'm just more just like hey like i want to hear this story like i'm interested like obviously i don't want to get too personal into his life but i i i am interested in what kind of changed the thought process with uh just your belief system and like what you believe in because obviously now i would say i'm more devout in my faith where back then you were more devout in your faith as like in high school and stuff like that. So I think it's like interesting to see the, the switch. And I just, I want to kind of pick your brain on your story and like what happened. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, like I said, you don't got to go too, too deep into it. Just like kind of tethering of the story together, the little pieces, you know, that all led to the, the final conclusion. Um, <laughs> So, uh, it, it all just kind of started out freshman year, um, and I can't really say that there was like this defining moment or something happened to me, or uh, I read something that may have swayed my faith at the time. It was it was really just didn't agree with the teachings in the Bible. I I think that you yourself are the god of your reality and your life. You dictate what you want out of life. You dictate what you get out of life. You dictate if you're happy with what you get. You are the the king of your reality and your actions and your choices. And I didn't see I I don't see how you could put your faith in, in uh, God that there is, is no evidence of, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm sorry if this offends you at all. I, I don't mean to offend you, um, but I am going to speak. Bro, if you don't just <laughs> speak, speak your mind, bro. Come on, man. You know who you're talking to. Go so, ahead, so, yeah, just man, I just, uh, I just don't, there's no evidence that, for me, there's no evidence that there, there is a God. And then on top of it, I think what is preached is, you know, 
trust in God and he will provide for you. But I, I think that's incorrect. It's put in the work, do what you got to do to be successful and make what you want come out of this life. Not, you know, pray and hope for the best. And now, you know, there's other things that I could argue upon, but that, that was, that was just one of the, the, the big things for me. It's just, there's no evidence. And then, you know, this, this idea of faith, I think is, is very dangerous in a social sense. You know, I, I think religion is good for a lot of people and helps them get through difficult times in their lives. And I'm all for that. A hundred percent, whatever you need to do to get through a difficult time in your life, if it's finding the Christian version of God, or it's, it's finding Muhammad or it's finding Hinduism or whatever it is, whatever you need to get through, that's fine. That's completely cool with me. Um, but with that said, I I don't believe in it. I, I think that religion, when used improperly, is a really great way to control people. And, you know, at the end of the day, this universe is chaos. You know, every, everything around us is chaos. And what our brains try to do is bring order to the chaos. And I think Christianity is a, or just religion in general, doesn't even have to just be Christianity, um, is a way for you to be given a pre-prescribed notion of putting order to the chaos of this universe. And instead of you thinking for yourself and being in a vulnerable state of not knowing and having to do research, which will affect how you think and how you see the world, but at the end of the day, it will come originally from you. I think instead, believing in that religion, you're technically just leasing their view on what this world is and how it was created and and what makes things work and what makes things be the way they are is instead of coming from a place of originality and research, you're simply just taking on faith what this book says and these pastors say. And I um, just think that's that's dangerous, in, in my opinion, because uh, you're kind of taking away your, your human ability to think for yourself and yeah yeah um of course this isn't a, a debate show we're all about conversations on this show so um i'll just say my little part of it yeah go uh, for it man i definitely appreciate you you sharing and uh being willing to open up and i'm not gonna lie when you were talking i was ready to like <laughs> ah, da, 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 da. But I think it's I think it's really good to be able to hear people's point of view, even when it's like very different from uh, your point of view. And I think it takes a lot of discipline to be able to just sit back and listen. And that's something that I definitely struggle with is just listening. I'm always I I listen to reply. I don't always listen to learn. So that was one thing I had to to realize. But um, my part of it is I definitely understand where people come from, because religion i'm not a big fan of religion at all to be honest because i definitely agree uh people who get caught up in religion and do's and don'ts um 
get caught into a very, very dangerous game of you're good if you do this, you're bad if you do that. And I think a lot of times, and I, by no means am I uh, like a pastor or anything like that. So like, I'm not going to try to come at it from a theology standpoint, but I definitely think that people, we live in a, a like you said, a broken, fallen world. And I think people love to use things to get a leg up on other people. And I think a lot of pastors, um, whether in the Christian faith or just whatever faith or religion that people are in, definitely can take things out of context and try to use that to control people or to make people feel a certain way or to do a certain thing. And I guess the best example that I could use for me is just my relationship with my girlfriend, right? I love my girlfriend, so I want to do things that will please her. And I want to put myself in a situation to make her proud. And I want to build our relationship. And that takes time. That takes me learning her, growing through her. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do everything perfectly. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. But I'm going to tailor my actions to make her proud. And I think if you have a relationship with whatever God, whatever, Buddha, whatever, but for me personally, I want to grow my relationship with God. So I'm not going to sit here and look at myself as like, oh, you do this and you're good. You do this and you're bad. But once you grow in your relationship one-on-one with God, you realize, okay, these are certain things that I don't feel morally right doing because of my relationship with God. So I'm going to go away from those things. Not saying those things are bad, but just like, I don't feel as if they would make God proud. And I just, and like I said, it's not perfect and it's hard to explain um, your personal relationship with God. I just know in my life, there's so many things that happened that I'm just like, yo, this is not coincidence. This isn't just uh like just random events that are happening like these are orca- like i feel like these are things that are orchestrated like that are destined but that doesn't mean that i have no control over the things i do like i definitely hate when people use faith as like blaming everything on someone else um to quote the great saint drake he says, I'm the type to say a prayer and go get what I just prayed for. And I think it's important to to understand that you have a you have a part. So yes, you're praying for something like God, I want this, or you know, whatever person um or God that you worship, you're praying or speaking things into existence some people are all about like oh the universe and the vibrations whatever that at the end of the day you have to align yourself and put yourself in those situations uh i definitely am not and even in the bible it says um and i'm i'm i wish i could like quote this better because i don't know like the exact verse but it says something about like uh a man who like toils is going to be a a broken or impoverished man. Like pretty much saying like, you got to work to eat. Like, don't think you're just going to pray and things are just going to just drop in your lap. Like you have to put in the effort and the work. So I don't like the concept of when people use faith 
as a like deflector from them doing things or them having to take initiative. I think you definitely have to align yourself and put yourself in situations, but I definitely think there's a lot of things out of your control that you can't control in life. And for me, in those moments when I can't control things and I always want to control things, I think it's really good to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to put this in God's hands. And eventually, as you grow your relationship with God, in my personal opinion, you'll get like a peace and understanding of why things happen. It may not be in the moment. Like you may pray for something and it doesn't go the way you want it to go. But then hindsight's always twenty twenty, and you can look back at that situation and be like, okay, like I see why I had to go through that. I see why like that happened to me. And like I said, that's just my opinion. And I probably didn't explain it as good as I could have, but I just think we all sin. So I think we as Christians get a get bad reps because we just love to judge people and they're and they're just like, Oh, you're you're gay? Well, huh, sorry, you're not going to heaven. No, you're a sinner. While the whole time, like, you're gossiping. Like, that's, if you really read in your Bible, that's sin too. So I think you just have to come from a, a point of grace. I don't know if that makes sense. No, uh, it, it definitely makes sense. Very... And I think one of the other is, is the incorrect way to, to look at it on both accounts. I mean, I don't think you should ever disparage someone because they decide to believe in a religion. And if that works for them, then I'm going to I'm going to support them in that belief. Like if that what makes them a better person and makes them happy and lets them live a fulfilled life, then just because I don't believe doesn't mean I should try and take any of that away from them. And on the same foot, you know, the people that are, are super judgy and take the moral high ground because they chose a certain religion or not even if they chose it just because it was given to them at birth and they don't know anything different. Um, you know, that, that's not right either. It's like, you know, their own shit doesn't stink, but everyone else's does. So, yeah, I, I think you have the right way of looking at it. You know, there, there's no, as, as I get older, there's no black and white. Everything is gray. It's nothing is, is rarely ever as clear cut as it's it's made out to be a lot of times. It's, it's usually very, very gray and you can go either way with a lot of it, but I, I think the way you, you're looking at it is, is very healthy. And, and while I, I might disagree with it just on a personal basis, um, I'm still going to support you in it because if that's what makes you a better person and makes you happy and, and fulfilled in life, then then who am I to, to take that away from you? And that's why I really wanted to start this podcast and just this platform because I'm not going to agree with everybody that comes on here. And also try to understand where where they're coming from what that's my biggest thing it's like you can tell me until you're blue in the face until you're blue in the face what you believe but what matters to me is why do you believe what you believe and that's usually more telling than them just telling you oh i believe in x and i believe in y but but why they believe in y and actually asking people why they believe in y and not just spouting a party line usually gets uh, a better response and you know, to kind of rebound off of what you had said, one of my favorite sayings is uh, everyone knows half of it, which is great minds think alike. I think everyone knows that saying. But uh, the second half of it, which has been lost to a lot of people, I think is very important. 
And it's a great minds think alike, but fools rarely differ. And so it's very important to have people in your life that don't. I like that. Yeah. It's important to have people in your I life like that. that don't hold the same opinions as you. You you want to be well-rounded in this world and, and grow as a person. And you, you can't do that if you surround yourself in an echo chamber of people saying the same things that you want to hear and that you agree with. But you'll be surprised how enriched your life can be. And maybe you'll even surprise yourself on on what ideas can be changed here and there just by listening to what other people have to say and, and not just listening, waiting for your turn to say something, but like actually listening and, and trying to understand what they say and being active. And that's, you know, becoming rare and rare in these days. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We could definitely go on and on about different stuff like that. I just, I think it's really cool. Uh, cool. Uh, like you said, when you're able to just have conversations. And ultimately, that's what I just want to keep promoting through this podcast. I want to keep bringing people on who, like Cody said, aren't going to believe everything that I believe, aren't going to think what I think. And my job isn't to bring people on so I can convert them to my beliefs. It's just to open up a conversation, showing people that like, you don't have to look alike. You don't have to believe the same things to have a conversation. Like it's a lot. I'm telling you, a lot of the problems we have in this world could be solved with just simple conversations. Absolutely. Whether it's one side, and I think it's pride too. Like a lot of people are just very prideful and it's hard for them to have those conversations with people. It's hard for them just, to, to kill the ego. On... Exactly. So I just think it's cool that we're able to to do this. And again, like me and Cody, we we've been boys since what kindergarten yeah bro yeah like we we've we've been cool for such a long time and just to kind of see where our lives have taken um that next step and i think it's really dope and i really think it's cool how um in a way we're kind of partners like i said my job and what i'm doing right now is essentially to allow kids to never see your face if, yeah, if i would i would i would like it like, if they never had to that'd, that'd be fantastic yeah and so i think it's cool that we're both doing things that uh i would say we're passionate about i don't necessarily think for me working with kids is my end-all be-all but i definitely think it's something that i am passionate about and i'm happy to be able to take the skills that i have and be able to use it to help somebody else and i think that's really dope absolutely uh, is there anything that you would like to to add in or to speak on or to get off your chest or to tell all the the people listening uh, all the millions and millions of people get off <laughs> my chest um don't neglect the little things it's, it's the little like things that. in in life that that make it beautiful it's the the color of, of the grass on a sunny day it's it's the sound of the the wind going through the trees. It's it's the little things that that make it beautiful. And as Shakespeare said, the world will sing for you. All you have to do is listen. Um, and I think in the society we have these days, where it's go 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 go, be on your phone, always doing something, I think we lose a lot of the just finding beauty in the small things. You know, and sure it does the color of the trees contrasting the green contrasting the blue and beautiful contrast mean anything to your life is it going to help you no but i think stopping 
to relax and, and take a few minutes to yourself and admire the, the beauty that's around you is is important for mental health and just having a good life. In my best lawyer voice, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, uh, definitely big shout out to my guy, Cody, hopping on the podcast, taking a seat at the lunch table with me. Uh, it was just great having him on, great getting his perspective on different things. Uh, if you have any other questions, concerns, comments, feel free uh, to DM me at the lunch table with Vix underscore after each word um, on Instagram. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, like, leave a comment, subscribe, whatever floats your boat. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to say thank you to Cody. I am not paying him. He hopped on, took uh, about two hours out of his day to come hop on this podcast with me. So, Cody, I appreciate yeah, you. I, I, I had a great time, Vix. It's, a, it's just really good to catch up with you, man. It's been, it's been a hot little minute, bro. I actually think it's been like seven years since we've seen each other last. That's crazy. I know. And, um, that's a while. It's just, it's, it's really good to see and talk to you, man. It's, it's, it's been way too long. And, you know, the funny thing is my dad always asks about you every time I see him. Every time I go down to, to visit him, he's always like, how's I been doing? How's I been doing? How's I been doing? And I'm like, I gotta hit him up. <laughs> I can't answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, to be honest, I don't know. That's, is he still alive? Let me go check on him. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he nah, made man, an impression it... on my dad, too. He, he still always asks about you. Um, yeah, man. You, 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 you played a big part in, in our lives, and I appreciate you. Yeah, man. I appreciate y'all. So, y'all heard it here first. Got my guy, Cody, on the podcast with me. Like always, more life, more blessings.